excited to be here and say yeah and uh, so glad to be here as well you agree today is the day the Lord's made right so the Bible says we are to rejoice and be glad in it I'm so fired up that you've chosen to come and worship with us today and I uh, have a lot of college students back and uh, fired up to see you guys as well I know y'all had an awesome time at passion this past week right and uh, Josh had a good time told us about that so uh, very very excited about what the Lord's doing in that ministry uh, listen, if you're visiting with us, when you came in, you should have received one of these brochures. And inside the brochure is a little section we encourage all our visitors to fill out. So if you'll do that for us, you can do two things with that. You can drop it in the offertory plate, or I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be right out here in the foyer. You can just come, give me your little uh, visitor card, and uh, shake your hand. Love to meet you. We'll give you a free gift just for showing up this morning. Does that sound good? And uh, looking forward to what God's going to do today. And uh, choir looks great up here. Pumped to see you guys back. And uh, I'm glad to be back in a normal schedule too, aren't y'all? And uh, looking forward to what the Lord has in store for not only today, but also the rest of the year. So let's go ahead this morning and shake one another's hands. Welcome each other to God's house. And y'all do that now. Welcome each other.
song that the choir's been singing a lot of, and one I think it's time for us to sing as a congregation, as we start off this new year, that we would desire to stand boldly upon the Word of God and stand firmly in what He has done for us on the cross, to stand together as a body, thankfully, rejoicing with one another. Come on, guys, sing it. Ready? You stood before creation.
is yours today. Giving you everything we have, everything that we are, everything that we desire to be. We lay it before your throne. As a living sacrifice today, Lord, holy and acceptable unto you. So what could I say? And Lord, what could I do? Y'all can be seated. God bless you. And uh, what an awesome time of worship already. And I'm very excited about what the Lord has in store for the future of our church family. And want to spend some time this morning introducing you to our student pastor candidate. Obviously, we'll have a call conference tonight to vote uh, for his approval. And our personnel team has done uh, great due diligence. And we've had an awesome opportunity to get to know Brandon Roney as well as his wife, Jancy. And uh, God has his hand on both of them. They're both involved in ministry now. And uh, looking forward to what God's going to do through both of their lives in the life of our church family. So without further ado, I want to introduce them to you this morning and let Brandon come and share a little bit of his testimony and about his life. So y'all welcome them as they come this morning. Amen. Let's bow together and pray for Brandon. Y'all can let him know how much you appreciate him already. And um, we do... Uh, and, it, you know, we shared this yesterday, and I think this morning, too, that uh, Jancy was actually Mrs. Alabama for what year was that? 2000? Yeah, and my wife is Miss Lula, so they'll <laughs> get along real well. That's right. Put it back up. <laughs> Baby, where are you at? Stand up. Show her back. <laughs> get up. You want to say anything? <laughs> we need to pray for her. Brandon and Jancy. I know, pray for me now, right? That's right. Hedge of protection around our pastor. Miss Lula's after him. But anyway, so. Uh... Hey, let's go ahead and bow together, okay? Father, I thank you so much for Brandon and Jancy and just how you're using them. And Lord, what an awesome, you know, testimony of just faithfulness, even in Randy and Lisa's life and how you've used them over the years to invest in this couple. And God grow them up, and now he's got a heart for ministry. you placed it in him, as well as Chancy, and God, it's just a cycle. And Lord, um, as we invest in the next generation, we long for the gospel to continue to affect generation after generation. And God, I thank you that his heart, obviously, is first and foremost for you and then his wife, but then for student ministry. God, he has a desire to lead students to you but also has a desire to see them become uh, fully devoted Christ followers. So use him in the days ahead and put your hand on our church family tonight. Obviously, as we have a vote of affirmation that we just continue to follow after you. And God, bottom line is we want your heartbeat. We want your desire. Uh, you are sovereign over all things, so we submit to you. And uh, thank you for how you're working in our church family and already excited about uh, how you've changed people's lives, even looking out over this congregation, seeing people that have been saved recently and growing already in their faith. And uh, God, I'm just looking forward to what you're going to do. And it's in your blessed name that we pray. Everybody said amen. God bless you.
Well, you brought a Bible, say yes, and uh, invite you to open it with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. As you can see up here on the stage, the title of the message this morning is FIT. Stands for faith in training, and I appreciate Al Bell working so diligently to make that happen for us here. But uh, I want to preach to you a message this morning of encouragement, one that would encourage you to be spiritually fit. Now, the bottom line is, uh, I'm not going to preach on this next week, and I rarely pull a text just randomly in the middle of a letter, but I'm going to do that this morning. And then starting next week, God willing, we'll start looking at Luke's gospel. And we're going to begin with John the Baptist's life next Sunday. So be there for that. I'm pretty fired up. I love John the Baptist. Can't wait to preach about him. So we'll have a good time. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. If you've got it there in front of you, say amen. And uh, you can stand with me in honor of God's word. If you don't have it, just look on with somebody around you. Beginning in verse 7, chapter 4, the scripture says, Have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, and this is the part we'll kind of focus on, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let's bow together. Father, we're grateful uh, for our time together this morning to open up your word. Give us hearts uh, that beat passionately for you. Give us a genuine desire to receive uh, from the Word of God that what you would have us to receive today. And then do great work in our midst, Lord. We want to become more like you. We want to grow in our relationship with you. And the bottom line is, Lord, that's a choice we've got to make. So I pray that that would be the case today. And Lord, I also want to ask um, if there's anybody here who doesn't have a personal relationship with you, that you would use your word by the power of the Holy Spirit to call them to salvation, not the blinders from their eyes so they might see the glory of who you are in the face of Jesus and come to salvation and be radically changed. And God, just do a work this morning. I trust wholly in you, lean solely upon you, and desperately need you uh, during this hour for your kingdom purpose sake. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said amen, and you can be seated. Well, the beginning of a year, new year, always has... Uh, it's excitement. You know, it serves as a new starting point. So you and I, as a church family, we stand at the beginning of a new year-long marathon, and we're refreshed, and uh, we are really ready to set a new pace. And you guys are refreshed, right? Like, uh, anybody refreshed? Just slip a hand up. Okay, four of y'all. That's better than uh, the first service. There was only three, so we're one ahead. But, you know, we always look towards uh, new goals. We look at dreams that we still have not yet seen to be fulfilled, and these kind of things come to mind at the beginning of a new year. It's a time when people make New Year's resolutions to help them run the race with renewed energy. 2012 is no different. In fact, just kind of taking a look uh, this past couple of weeks, I found the top five New Year's resolutions made for 2012. And here they are, beginning with number five, stay fit and stay healthy. And then number four is enjoy life to the fullest. Number three was spend less and save more. Number two was get organized. And then before I show you number one, anybody know what, you, what it is? Shout it out real quick. Yeah, lose weight, right? Now, God bless y'all for who knew that. So here's the deal. How many of you have ever made one of these particular resolutions? Slip a hand up real quick and uh, be honest before Lord Jesus. Go ahead. All right, God bless you. I know, it's like the Lord's looking at y'all. Some of y'all are like, not me, I ain't raising my hand. But anyway, so uh, it's good. As I approach this new year, you know, I wonder what it would be like if every person in our fellowship made a New Year's resolution. 
But a New Year's resolution not to improve our physical stamina and strength, but rather, what if, and think about this with me, what if everybody in our fellowship actually made a New Year's resolution to grow in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would experience greater spiritual stamina and strength in the year ahead? And that is a worthy goal. You know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, we don't lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So literally, Paul the Apostle is saying that our outward flesh, our bodies, are actually growing older and older. They are decaying. But our inner man is where we should focus our attention. Our inner man is growing and being renewed day by day. And then in the Bible, in Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman. But towards the end of that particular text, we read, beauty is fleeting. In other words, it gives the imagery that beauty is actually running away from us. You know, our culture is consumed without our beauty. You know, in fact, we're overwhelmed with exercise programs like P90X, Zumba, Insanity, Bowflexes. We're constantly influenced by media in order to feel good. You know, they say we got to look good. You need to stay young. You got to purchase this skin cream that gets rid of crow's feet, which makes no sense to me, by the way. I don't know what crow's feet are, but supposedly they become a part of our faces. We need to help getting rid of them. Then also, gray hair, from what I understand, is no longer cool, which I disagree with. But there's uh, several commercials during football programs, all these just-for-men hair-dying ads, and all these dudes are dying their hair, and they're, I don't know. Could you imagine what it would be like if I came next Sunday and I've got jet black hair? It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Sideburns. Saw a commercial over the holidays for people who are too short. They said, you're too short. You can't make a difference. You need to be tall. And so you can actually buy insoles for your feet. and your, Not for your feet, but for your shoes. And it'll make you six feet tall. No, six, I don't know what I'm saying. Let's pray together. <laughs> six inches taller. Could you imagine being six foot taller? That'd be crazy. But anyway, so... Uh, Six inches taller. So we hear it constantly, you know, in our culture. You got to eat healthy, you got to stay in shape, you got to remain young looking, you got to be tall. And please don't, you know, misunderstand me this morning. There's nothing inherently wrong with desiring to exercise, lose weight, or take care of your face and hair. However, there is a problem when it becomes the prevailing thought pattern and attitude of our lives. We must not allow pop culture to hypnotize us into leading a life of emptiness. So this morning, I want to challenge you to make a New Year's resolution that doesn't lead to emptiness, but actually one that leads to godliness. I want to challenge every single member of our church family to be spiritually fit as followers of Jesus Christ this year. You know, author Dave Kraft, in a book I'm reading called Leaders Who Last, states that in order to run the race well, we must maintain a vibrant and rich walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So every single one of us, we need to have this vibrant and rich walk with the Lord. In fact, in this particular book, they did a study and found among senior pastors, ministry staff leaders, church volunteer workers, Sunday school teachers, and even small group leaders, they found that only 30% of those individuals actually finished well. That means 70% did not finish well. So if you can picture it for just a moment, and I kind of had the imagery in my mind when I was reading the book, that you would have 10 seminary graduates, nine of my buddies, including me, according to those stats, seven of us aren't going to finish well, and only three of us are. 
So what a challenge it was. In reading that book, I found that the reason so many people were falling out of ministry from a pastoral standpoint, as well as ministry just within the local body of fellowship or, or church, literally was because they had neglected their relationship with the Lord Jesus. They stopped pursuing Him. They didn't have that vibrant and rich walk with Him. Now, as a pastor, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you, and I would even say just as a Christian, man, I don't want to be among the 70% who do not finish well. And I've got a long race to run. Are y'all listening? I'm still a young guy. So I've got a long way to run. If the Lord allows me to live to be 70 or 80, I want to be faithful all those years to what God's called me to do. And so in order to do that, man, I've got to get serious about my relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, you know, in 2012, and I'm, you know, said it earlier this morning, I'm not just trying to be cute or, you know, pithy here, but I really do. I have a desire in 2012 that I personally would grow in my relationship with Jesus more than I have ever grown before. So that's my heartbeat. That's what I, I want to grow, all right? I want to know Jesus more. I want to follow him with greater faith. I do, I do desire that. And really and truly, I have that desire for you as a fellowship as well. You know, as a pastor, you have the opportunity to look over people, to look out for people, to, to help people. And look at me. I mean, you know, we all sheep, all right? God's the good shepherd, but then he kind of grants some people the role of a shepherd to help his sheep. Look at me eyeball to eyeball. I want you to grow this year spiritually. All right? I don't care if we pack out four worship services. I want to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus. So we can have a whole lot of people and have zero spiritual maturity. We need you to grow. I desire for that to occur in your life. That's been my prayer. And, um, you know, really, I, I'm just getting all this from the Bible, too, which is a good place to get it from. Paul the Apostle, he's talking to the church at Colossae. He says, hey, we, we proclaim Jesus. We herald him. We preach Jesus and we're admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And then Paul says, For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. So I would give you the imagery like this this morning. God is at work in me, and he's at work in you. And then God has put us together to run our race of faith, to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the context of that, I need to have a desire that you would be complete before the Lord Jesus. And that's a monumental task, you know. Paul the Apostle even describes in the New Testament how he will present the people before Christ. Could you imagine that for just a moment? What a task that is, that on one occasion, you know, before the Lord Jesus, I will come and present you, present the ministry that occurred here in this fellowship to Jesus. That's why we take this serious, this idea of ministering to people and seeing people grow. It's because one day Jesus is going to look at it. Are y'all listening? Y'all don't seem too concerned about that. I'm pretty concerned, all right? So I want to make sure we're being faithful that we're doing it with a pure heart and we're really pursuing what God desires. You know, Paul had that desire for local fellowships, but he also had that desire for individuals. One in particular is Timothy. So Paul is investing in Timothy's life. He poured his life into this young pastor. 
And what's crazy here is in this text, we see Paul's desire for Timothy's spiritual fitness. So our key question this morning, and we'll just ask one question with two answers. The question is, how can I be fit for 2012? How can I be fit? And listen, I'm just going to ask you, and y'all talk to me this morning, all right? How many of you really do? You want to be spiritually fit this year, all right? Many people talking. Y'all talk to me. Y'all go. <laughs> Sign language. But anyway, so I ask you. We want to be spiritually fit. So how do we do it? Two ways. Number one, we must decide to be spiritually fit. We must decide to be spiritually fit. Paul writes in Timothy, uh, again, 1 Timothy 4, 7, that second half. He says, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. A bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Now, in this text, Paul tells Timothy he needs to be spiritually fit. And you see the, uh, the word discipline there. Uh, you might want to circle that in your Bible. It's the Greek word gymnasium. It gives us the English word for gymnasium. So this was the same word used when speaking of Greek athletes engaging in athletic exercises in the gym. You know, Greek scholar Kenneth Wust uh, writes concerning this particular verse. He says, here, the exercise is not of the physical body, but rather, it's one of the mind, emotions, will. It's the spiritual part of the man. Now, this is huge. What is the purpose of godliness? What's the point of disciplining ourselves? And he says that discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Godliness, what is it? Well, the word literally means reverence. It means respect and piety toward God. In short, the term describes a total devotion to our Father. Now, Jerry Bridges, a phenomenal author, has written this. In the New Testament, godliness conveys the idea of a personal attitude toward God that results in actions that are pleasing to God. This personal attitude towards God is what we call devotion to Him. But it is always devotion in action. It's not just a warm emotional feeling about God, the kind of feeling we may get while singing some grand old hymn of praise or some modern-day chorus of worship. The practice of godliness is an exercise that focuses our life upon God. You know, Paul was encouraging Timothy to exercise his mind and exercise his will to be focused entirely upon the Lord. Now look at me eyeball to eyeball. What are we doing with this passage of Scripture? Here's the application. We need to exercise our mind exercise our will to be focused entirely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to be our heartbeat. That has to be the direction in which we run as individuals. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. Turn your attention to verse 8. The Bible says, For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable in all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So here Paul is telling Timothy that bodily exercise is profitable only a little, namely our physical health. However, by contrast, and I love how he's doing that, he's contrasting these things. He's saying spiritual exercise is profitable for all things. Now, literally, and please listen to the statement, godliness is profitable in every area of your life. Are y'all listening? Say yes. And this is huge. Paul reiterates this in chapter 6 of the same book in verse 4 in saying godliness is a means of great gain. Now think about it for just a moment. When you exercise a devotion to God, it makes you a better father or a better mother. It makes you a better husband or a better wife, a better child, better student, 
better manager, a better employee, better pastor, better Sunday school teacher, better coach, better player. Listen, when you exercise the devotion to God, it makes you a wiser manager of his finances, a wiser manager of your emotions, your decisions, your words, your thought life, your actions. There is not one single area of your life that is not affected by godliness. It is profitable for every area. (laughs) I love that. It's not only profitable in this life, but the Bible says it's profitable in the life to come. And listen, Paul regards a godly life as not only experienced in the here and now, but also there are rewards waiting the godly life when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says this as well, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may give an account of our deeds in the body according to what is done, whether good or whether bad. Paul's talking about the judgment seat. This is literally the bema seat, the reward seat of Jesus Christ. So when you breathe your last breath as a follower of Jesus, you will stand at the reward seat. And in that moment, your life, my life, is going to be laid bare before the Lord Jesus. And he will look at the faithfulness of us in ministry. And based upon our faithfulness to him, our faithfulness in ministry, the Lord Jesus will begin to delve out rewards. What a great day that will be. And the Bible says the rewards we receive, we will give back to him in worship. And what's wild about this is I really do... Personally, I want to be ready for when I stand before Jesus. But then secondly, I want you to be ready. So when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you've not wasted your life. You've not missed opportunity, but you've grown in your devotion to God. And then when you stand before God, you can go before him, as John says in 1 John, with absolute confidence because you've been walking faithfully with him. It's our heartbeat. And I would trust that the Lord God would make that your heartbeat as well. Now, I thought about this for uh, quite some time over uh, the past month or so and just getting prepared for this particular morning. I know, and this message, man, is difficult because I know bottom line is when I put it out here before everybody, uh, you're either going to ignore it or actually do something with it. But, you know, I started thinking about um, a way to really present this and communicate it. And so my mind was kind of enamored with infomercials. Have you all ever seen these before? And uh, I ain't gonna lie, I can be talked into anything from an infomercial, all right? Come to my house, look in the garage, there's a Bowflex there. You know why? Because I was hypnotized, that's why. So there's a Bowflex there. You come and look in our closet, you'll see a shark vacuum. It never loses its suction. <laughs> How do I know this? Because they told me, all right? And I got one of those bad boys. Sweet little thing. <laughs> they forgot to tell you, it's only six inches big, so it takes like eight hours to. <laughs> but it's light, boy. You can carry that thing around because you pull it out of your little pocket and unfold it. It never loses its suction. But they're great salesmen. And, you know, I, I, I found in watching these infomercials, what they do is they look at you and they say, hey, you owe this to yourself to get it. You owe it to yourself. <laughs> That's what they did. With that Bowflex, you owe it to yourself. And I'm like, you're, you're darn right, I do. You had me in tears when I was calling those people. I need this thing, man. I don't know why y'all are laughing at that. 
Y'all obviously see the effects of it. I was just kidding, Lord. Did y'all hear that? That racket coming through there made me nervous. So I, I did. I started thinking, you know, reality is when they do an infomercial, they just go through a list of questions to convince you. And so I thought, I'm going to use some of the same questions they use to show you why you should make a decision to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So why should you do it? Listen, here's the reason you ought to do it. You know, some people would scream, you owe it to yourself. And that's probably a good answer, but it's not a biblical one here why should you discipline yourself for the purpose of God? Let's look at the pastor. Because it's God's will for your life. That is sufficient. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is the process of growing and maturing in your relationship with Jesus. So here, we know this indeed is God's will. And there's so many people, they're seeking God's will, and what they want to know is a plan, but oftentimes they put the plan above the planner. That's idolatry. But instead, what we need to do is devote our hearts solely to the planner who is God, then the plan will just fall out. Fall in love with the Lord. It's God's will for our life. But what are the disadvantages? You know, some of you say, I hear what you're saying, Levi, but I just don't feel like doing the right thing in my life right now. I don't want to grow right now. I mean... What's the big deal? Well, here's the deal. If you choose to ignore the encouraging word of greater devotion to God, then you will remain spiritually unhealthy. You'll miss God's best for you. You'll continue to remain out of God's will for your life. And you will be unable to please Him. And your prayers will be hindered. That's what happens when we don't discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. You not only mess up your life here and now, but you lose rewards before Jesus in eternity. Listen, look at the preachers a bit, just a moment. How many messages do you need to hear before you actually start pursuing Christ? So what are the advantages? I'm not doing so good on this infomercial, am I? But what are the advantages, right? I mean, if you do, you, let's say you do. You're like, all right, Levi. I'm going to make a decision this morning that I really am. I'm going to grow in my faith this year. I'm going to make that decision. What advantages? Well, in short, the greatest advantage is a vibrant and rich walk with Jesus. That doesn't turn y'all on, I don't reckon. A vibrant and rich walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is sufficient, man. That we get to know Christ. We get to walk with Him. We get to treasure Him. We get to glorify Him. That's why I'm so fired up to preach through Luke's gospel. So often when we look at Scripture, we're just looking at it as a historical book. But this is where God reveals Himself to you and I. He shows us the person of Jesus, and we fall in love with Jesus, and we have a desire to honor Jesus, live for Him, and one day actually be with Him. So that's an advantage. Obviously, devotion to God not only will give you a vibrant and rich walk with Jesus, but you receive a promise that devotion to God will positively affect every area of your life. You know, anytime counseling somebody, they got a problem with their marriage, problem at their workplace, problem in their life, I always like to start with what they're doing with their relationship with Jesus. Why do you start there? Because if they're not pursuing God, that's why things are falling all over the place. Y'all still out there say yes? Because I also don't want you to 
hear the wrong thing. I know after making a statement like that, people can run with that. But uh, bottom line is, you can be pursuing Jesus with all of your heart and still stuff can be falling all over the place. There's a dude named Job. Y'all ever heard of him in the Old Testament? I mean, he was like the one who loved Jesus, loved God more than anybody, the Bible says. But life fell apart. But here's the deal. He didn't. Why did he not? Because God was his pursuit. So we got to make a decision, all right, just to grow spiritually. How can I be fit in 2012? Make that decision. Now, second step, and I don't know how to get any more practical than this, but we've got to make a plan to be spiritually fit. Uh, have you seen the infomercial, by the way, advertising the great contour ab belt? Have you seen this? I'll tell you about it. <laughs> I've seen it like a hundred times, man. I don't know why those things get my attention. But anyway, so... Uh, you put this belt on, and it electroshocks your core. That's what it does. You just wear it, and it electrocutes you. And it, it's, it's crazy good, too. You can, like, uh, read a book. You can watch television and eat Cheetos all while developing a six-pack, all right? And they show people doing that on the commercial. I'm like, look at them reading that book and working out at the same time, not even moving. Just shocks you. That's just not good. You can also put a hair dryer in the bathtub and just jump in, same effect. But anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> now, let's be honest. How many of you really think a con contour belt, and if you have one, God bless you, but if you... How many of you really think that can just shed away the pounds, right? I mean, that's not going to work. Why? Because you actually got to do something to get a six-pack uh, like your pastor. You got to be fit, all right? You got to do stuff. I'm serious, man. Our washing machine messed up the other day. Didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So it dawned on me. <laughs> I don't know why I think these things in my brain. But here's the deal. Don't know me years ago. Look, if if uh, if I'm going to be physically fit, I got to have a plan. So it makes good sense that I'm going to be spiritually fit. I should also have a plan. So what I've done is I. I you know, just to make this very plain for everybody here this morning, and I've, I've done this for, for years, and uh, now a good opportunity. I was going to do it with just the staff, but now I'm going to do it, obviously, with everybody. But I want to show you how to put together a spiritual fitness program, all right, for your life, for you personally. And I'll show you how to do that. The most practical way is just to show how I've done it. But I want to give you three things you need to do, and I grabbed these ideas from a website that taught you how to put together a regular physical pram. And so taking these and then basically taking the same paradigm and looking at your spiritual life, you'll see the, uh, how this links together. But three things we got to do. First of all, you got to have a fitness goal. So I ask a very simple question to myself. You know, what areas do I want to develop in my devotion to God? And that's a good question. You need to ask that as, as well. What area do you need to develop in your devotion to the Lord? So I decided that I needed to strengthen my prayer life. All right, bottom line is I am an extremely action-oriented kind of guy. I like to get things done. And I have found that that, over the course of time, actually negatively affects my prayer life. So then I began to ask a little step further, what areas of my life do I need to strengthen my prayer life in? So then I just look at the roles that I have in life. Well, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor. So it allowed me to set a spiritual fitness goal. And, I, you know, you've got this, I think. At least you should have gotten this. If you didn't, you can get one when you leave. But uh, if you grab this little sheet of paper out, 
um, what this is, is it's my spiritual fitness uh, program for the next three months. But you can see my goal on the left-hand side. I want to be a strong prayer warrior for my wife, for my children, and for God's fellowship. That would be you. So these are areas in which I want to grow. And then secondly, I said, okay, uh, you have to have equipment access. So it led me to ask this question, what will I need to accomplish my stated spiritual goal? So I determined three needs. Obviously, I need uh, to be concentrated in my devotion to Scripture on prayer. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at the prayer life of Jesus through the Gospels. Uh, to begin with, it'll be Luke's Gospel. As well, do a theme study. I've already started this, but do a theme study of prayer throughout the Scriptures. This is easy, by the way. I just look up the word prayer in a Bible concordance, and it gives me all sorts of passages to go to. And then secondly, I determined I needed to have three... Um, Christian resources to aid in my development. And so I just went straight to uh, the store and looked to help me become a strong prayer warrior for my wife. I purchased the book, Power of a Praying Husband. Uh, to help me become a strong prayer warrior for my children, I purchased the book, Pray Big for Your Children. And then a prayer warrior for this church family, uh, Charles Spurgeon's book, The Pastor in Prayer. And then third, I determined I needed a journal. I mean, I, I use one all the time, but just wanted to put it down so you guys would know this was one of the things that I used. So I've got this journal, and what I'm going to do is spend time, obviously, throughout my devotion to the Lord in the morning. I'll just write down what God's teaching me. Are y'all listening? Say yes. And so I lay these things down. And so far, as I do this, I, I kind of go to the third reality, and that is to have time allowances. You know, I'm going to spiritually exercise in the morning. That's just the best way for me. And by the way, there's you know, no right or wrong deal in exercise, just as long as you do it. Are y'all listening? Just to exercise. Spend time with the Lord. And so, um, you know, I'm going to come and talk to y'all now. Can I come and talk to y'all now? Let me ask y'all again. Can I come and talk to you now? All right, so here's the deal. I sit down with the Lord, and I look at all these things, and I literally got... As practical, and I've done this, you know, before as well, so, but I just love doing this and helps me tremendously. But I practically went through the whole week, uh, Monday through Friday. You can see that on my spiritual uh, fitness plan. And so on Monday, I'm just like, all right, I got to have scripture devotion. So obviously on Monday, what I'm doing is I'm going to look at a passage of scripture on prayer, and that falls out from the concordance that I've used. And then I'm looking at pr uh, reading Power of a Praying Husband. I'm just reading one chapter that morning. And then my journal, I'm recording thoughts. I'm writing prayers down for my wife. Does this make sense? Say yes. Then Tuesday rolls around. I wake up, I hop right to it. Passage of uh, Scripture on prayer again. Reading a book resource, pray big for your children. One chapter, these aren't long chapters. I can read through them things in like five minutes. And God teaches me things. I jot them down. Then I write prayers out for my uh, children, you know, GM, GM. That's my kids' uh, initials, I reckon. Garrison, uh, Maddie, Gavin, and then another girl with, starts with M. Then we go, that was Marley, that was a joke. But anyway, so then Wednesday, you know, I'm getting up again, passage of prayer on, uh, of scripture on prayer. And then I'm reading the book, Resource, one chapter, Pastor in Prayer, Recording Thoughts. Thursday, Study of Prayer Life of Christ and Luke's Gospel. Y'all get it. I mean, good night. Pastor, a memoir. I'm reading that book as well. And then Friday, I'm rereading uh, scriptures highlighted this week and then re reviewing the journal notes, uh, having extended time of prayer. 
So, um, so what I've been doing, that's what I've been doing this week. You know, obviously I was kicking this thing off for uh, the beginning of the year. And uh, bottom line is, man, I, I want to grow my relationship with the Lord, so I've got to get intentional about it. It doesn't happen automatically. Just like wearing that little contour belt, you ain't going to get a six-pack wearing that thing. Sitting in church does not make you spiritually mature. Going to Sunday school and sitting down doesn't make you spiritually mature. You got, there's got to be some action. That's what godliness is. It's devotion in action. So we've got to be aggressive on this stuff. So, you know, I wrote down several things, but... Um, you know, I spend time on Monday praying for my wife. I read through the book, listen to some of the stuff that I learn. Uh, when you pray, you're inviting God to exercise his power in your wife's life. That's pretty good. Uh, your prayer enables her to better hear God's voice and respond to God's leading. So what am I doing? I'm just saying, hey, God, I want your power to be on my wife's life. And Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name, and this is my prayer this week, that, that you would make her extremely sensitive to your voice and that she would respond to your leading. So I'm praying over my wife. And there's some statements that we just jotted down that I learned from this book. Um, and these are you know, statements you can turn into prayers, which I ended up doing, but the statements where I will not permit any place or rather any plans of the enemy to prevail in our marriage. I'll not allow the enemy to, to drive a wedge between us. Y'all listen and look, the enemy's after every marriage up in this place. All right, so as soon as you get committed to Christ, he's coming after you, man. So you got to pray. And men, hey, listen, that's what we got to do. We just got to start flat out being some warriors of the home, right? And um, praying for our spouse and our children. Y'all still with me? Say yeah. I don't know how much time I got here, but let me give you a couple of these things that I just jotted down for the children. I love this, man. It's, um, <laughs> one of the comments in the book that I'm reading, I didn't write it down, but I just remembered it. It basically said that the problem isn't that we uh, don't pray for our kids, but oftentimes it's that we don't pray big for our kids. Right? It's just this, we just have these little prayers. But instead, here's some stuff. Pray they each come to Jesus early in life. Y'all listening now? My oldest is uh, eight. Yeah, it's like two, four, six, eight. That's their ages. So, you know, two, four, and six, they don't know Christ yet. They haven't come into a personal relationship with him. So what do I do? Praying they'll be saved. Praying God will make their hearts tender so they come to know Christ. You know, it's pretty crazy. Praying this week, and uh, Gavin, who's four years old, he all of a sudden begins in the van asking all these questions about sin. He ain't asked any of that stuff before. What's the deal? It's because God actually listens to prayer and answers. So he's working on his heart. Maddie's the same way. It's a pretty sweet deal. And then you're going to pray, and I'm praying like this, that they would just stand strong for their faith, that they'd show strength and perseverance through trials. And look, man, Garrison and Maddie, they both are in uh, Wauka Mountain uh, Elementary School, which is the correct way to say it, by the way, because that's how it's spelled. But anyway, so uh, look, they have influences there. Are y'all listening? I mean, it can't get no prayer. I can do one. I can, I can, and listen, this is as a dad. This ain't got nothing to do with being a pastor. It's just a follower of Jesus. I really, I, don't, I want my children to be protected from pop culture and its influence upon their lives. But, but listen, listen, but they, look, I'm, I'm not called by God to pull them out of everything. Listen, I'm in the world, but not of the world. 
So I, I, I'm sending them in, but now I'm praying, God, give them the grace to know truth and to stand strong for you in every circumstance. Y'all out there? I'm just kind of hanging out with y'all right now is what I'm doing. Then I'm praying for the church. And then I had a good time praying for y'all this week. Let me, uh, y'all care if we just, uh, if I just give you one, if I can find it here real fast. I probably should have marked these. Well, here's one. I didn't read this one this morning, but it fits. Uh, been called by you to minister biblically to the needs of others. So my prayer was this, Lord, in this moment, I need your help. I've got two couples today in which I'll be ministering to, and I need the Spirit's guidance. So I ask you to give me wisdom and discernment as I meet with them. I also ask for your biblical guidance that your name might be established in both of their marriages. That's my prayer. Now, here's the cool thing. I've never done this before, but y'all still out there? Look at me. Look at me. So here's the neat thing. At the end of the week, I've not done it like this before, but I, I just went back and I reviewed what God had taught me that week and then went back and read some of these prayers, and I've got them all in here. I've got a little system. <laughs> it only makes sense to me. But anyway, so I, I was reading through these prayers and, and all of a sudden began to see how God had answered this one, answered that one, answered that one, answered this one. And then here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. Uh, Levi, for all this time, you've been like the leper who has been healed but never came back to say thanks. Amen. Forgive me, Lord. You've been so faithful all week long. I need to just spend a little time thanking you for it. That's as practical as it gets, man. And listen, listen. I, and I want you all to hear this. Look at me eyeball to eyeball. I can be a pastor and not grow spiritually. I don't want to be that. You may tell you one reason I don't want to be that. Because one day I'm going to stand before Jesus. That's a good enough reason. I want him to be pleased. So I'm going to pursue him. So more or less what I'm saying is, y'all get on the bandwagon and pursue him too. Amen. All right? I gave you the backside of that spiritual fitness program. Basically empty. Fill it out, man. Fill it out. Take some time. Fill that thing out. And here's the deal. Sunday school teachers and leaders just kind of had this thought as I was getting prepared again this morning. How awesome it would be if you got so serious about this, you shared this with your class. You shared this with those that you're leading. So here's how we're growing spiritually. Look, bottom line is spiritual maturity, the intentionality of it, has to become a part of the culture here in this fellowship. Starts with you, starts with me, so let's get after it. Can I get a witness on that one? All right, let's bow together. Father, thank you for our time together this morning.